Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Transverse News, your weekly trans and LGBT news source here on the Transverse. First off, happy Lesbian Visibility Week, everyone. Lesbian Visibility Week is the last week of April, so yay for lesbians, and holy crap, April is almost over. Uh, <laughs> not quite ready for that. Um, the official Lesbian Visibility Week website says that the focus of this week-long event is to celebrate lesbians and show solidarity with all LGBTQI women and non-binary people in our community. We believe in unity and uplifting those who are most marginalized. It is essential that Lesbian Visibility Week is a voice for unity and lifts up all women, especially those who come from marginalized communities. Research by, by uh, Pride in London 2018 showed that gay women are almost twice as unlikely to be out in the workplace as their gay male counterparts. In honor of the week-long celebration, several buildings around the world will show their support with lighting in the lesbian flag colors, notably two of OVO's mo major sporting events, including Wembley Arena in London and OVO Hydro in Glasgow, Scotland, will feature the colors as well as on our side of the pond, San Francisco City Hall. The website also lists several free live streamed events going on throughout the week. So check those out at lesbianvisibilityweek.com for all of that info. The Supreme Court has ruled to uphold the Food and Drug Administration's approval of mifeprestone and ensure the provisions put in place to make it easier to obtain were allowed to continue while the legal challenges surrounding the abortion drug rage on. Judge Matthew Kaczmarek in Texas ruled to suspend the FDA's approval of the drug, which has been in place for 23 years, saying that they violated the federal accelerated approval rule and that subsequent actions around the drug were unlawful. One major assertion by anti-abortion medical groups who brought the case to Kazmarek was that the FDA didn't give full consideration regarding the side effects of the drug. In response to this charge, a CNN article points out that you are four times more likely to die from penicillin, and there are 10 times as many deaths from taking Viagra as deaths reported for folks using mifeprestone. So it's significantly safer than commonly accepted drugs on the market. The Supreme Court ruled 7-2 in favor of the stay to continue allowing the prescription of mifeprestone with Justices Alito and Thomas dissenting. In a statement submitted to the court, the Justice Department wrote, quote, the district court countermanded a scientific judgment FDA has maintained across five administrations, nullified the, the approval of a drug that has been safely used by millions of Americans over more than two decades, and upset reliance interests in a healthcare system that depends on the availability of mifeprestone as an alternate to surgical abortion for women who choose to lawfully terminate their pregnancies. This doesn't mean that access to the drug is guaranteed, however, as the legal fight around this drug is just ramping up. In response to the ruling, President Biden released a statement saying, as a result of the Supreme Court stay, Mifeprestone remains available and approved for safe and effective use while we continue this fight in the courts. I continue to stand by FDA's evidence-based approval of Mifeprestone and my administration will continue to defend FDA's independent expert authority to review, approve, and regulate a wide range of prescription drugs. Pink News did an uplifting story on Jordan Blackwood, a trans man in the UK who found much needed support and acceptance when he met the Newcastle Raven Ravens at Northern Pride in August of 2022. The Ravens are known for being the only LGBTQ inclusive club in the Northeast. He attended a six week boot camp for the team and found the acceptance he'd been craving. 
Blackwood, whose father hasn't been present in his life since he came out, said, I've never kind of had male role models and stuff that I can lean on for certain things through my transition. And the rugby team has been that for me. I've asked them about shaving. I've asked them, how do I tie a tie after games and stuff like this. They've become brothers to me in different ways for different things. They've supported me in everything. Jordan's teammates have also supported his GoFundMe campaign, raising money for top surgery, which isn't just for his dysphoria, but his physical and mental health. He says training and playing rugby with a binder on is even more dangerous than normal because of having his ribs constantly squeezed while exercising. I think people don't often understand the severity of gender dysphoria in some trans individuals, he says. I've been with my wife for five years and she has never seen me without a binder. She has never seen me fully naked. I've never had those intimate moments with her because of this. Giving me the ability to have a shower with my team after a game without wearing a binder, being able to breathe when I run, not worrying about fluid on my lungs and scarring from the constant rubbing material, it will change my life. Government officials in Missouri are encouraging tattling as they seek to continue their assault on medical rights for trans folks. People are being encouraged to report doctors and providers who, are, who offer gender affirming care. We talked last week about the intense restrictions being placed on trans people in Missouri by Attorney General Andrew Bailey. What we didn't know at the time was that he also had a form on his website to report trans care providers via a transgender center concerns form um, within the Missouri government website. Luckily, the LGBTQ plus community and allies took to the website and used the form to troll Bailey and to call out things like gender affirming care being administered to men in the form of Viagra with one user saying, clearly God wants them to have limp dick. Whether it's because of the intense trolling or a huge backlash on the misguided witch hunt, the page has since been taken down, which is very good news. The ACLU and Lambda Legal put out a joint statement decrying the highly political move by Bailey. The Attorney General's so-called emergency rule is based on distorted, misleading, and debunked claims and ignores the overwhelming body of science and medical evidence supporting this care. The statement continues, transgender people in Missouri deserve the support and care necessary to give them the same chance to thrive as their peers. Moving on to Ohio, on Tuesday, a large crowd gathered to hear the debate on Ohio House Bill 68, a new version of the SAFE Act that we saw rejected last year in the form of HB 454. The bill bans gender-affirming care for minors, including not only the extremely rare surgery, but also prescription of puberty blockers, and blocks mental health providers from diagnosing a child with gender dysphoria without first screening the child for other medical health conditions and also abuse or trauma. This bill would also prohibit Medicaid from covering gender affirming care and require mental health professionals to report the age, biological sex, comorbidities, and number of minors they treat for gender related conditions to the Department of Health every year. The bill's sponsor, Representative Gary Click said in an unsurprising statement, I don't believe there is such thing as gender affirming care. In his statement supporting the bill, Click cited widely debunked myths like the danger of rapid onset gender dysphoria and that social media is making kids trans. Voices on the side of reason and fact snapped back in full force. Representative Anita Samani said, you are discounting any organization that does not agree with you. However, the Ohio State Medical Association just this weekend reaffirmed that gender affirming care should be offered. 
It should not be banned and should not be made illegal by legislation. Representative Beth Liston asked for a statement from Click saying, I would love your thoughts on why you think that your approach, which goes against all other medical societies, is the best approach. And Representative Manira Abdullahi said, doctors are certified on these issues. I respectfully don't see that you had the expertise to make these decisions. Moving on to Florida, Florida's parental rights and education law has been expanded to cover all public school grades just three weeks after it had been bumped from third grade to eighth grade. Now LGBTQ content is effectively banned from being discussed in classroom as the bill is expanded so that for grades four through 12, gender identity and sexual orientation discussions are prohibited except when such instruction is either expressly required by state academic standards or part of an optional sex ed class. Many LGBTQ plus advocates and rights groups have pointed to the fact that the legislation is left purposely vague, meaning that school officials can't act confidently in, in decisions of when to include the discussions, which will lead to them erring on the side of safety for the sake of keeping their jobs. We've seen this in action as teachers took down pride flags and LGBTQ plus safe space stickers over fear of getting fired or sued. LGBTQ plus rights group Equality Florida called Governor DeSantis's motivations, quote, a lust for government censorship, as they lamented the fact that this expansion will exacerbate the problem as educators flee the state along with hardworking families who wish to protect their kids. Florida's pride parade has been canceled due to the state's anti-drag bills and all of the anti-LGBT sentiment that's going around there. The Florida Pride Alliance has canceled its Pride Parade and restricted other Pride events to people over 21 in anticipation of Republican Governor Ron DeSantis' signing a far-reaching anti-drag bill into law. On Wednesday, Florida's House passed Senate Bill 1438, known as the Protection of Children Law, which would mean that all Pride Parades in the state are banned. In a move that highlights the impact of the bill even before it had been signed into law, the Pride Alliance of the Treasure Coast canceled their Pride Fest event that was scheduled for this coming weekend. The Alliance posted on Facebook that the decision to cancel the event was made after multiple meetings with the Port St. Lucie officials. As all of you know, they said the political climate that we are currently in has us all very concerned for our community. Excuse me. Um, as all of you know, the political climate that we are currently in has all of us very concerned for our community. The city has decided that with the likelihood that the governor will sign the latest bill into effect this evening, we will need to be on the side of caution and that has required us to make this necessary change. So again, just like what is happening with the vagueness of the don't say gay bill, that is sort of how they're able to get to achieve their legislative agenda is if they made it, make it vague enough, then people can't confidently continue with the things that they're doing because they're not sure if, if they're going to be arrested, if they're going to lose their jobs, you know, lose their licenses, those sorts of things. The Montana GOP leadership has silenced trans lawmaker Zoe Zephyr and promised to keep her silent through the rest of the term. 
the latest high-profile example of state house of a state house deciding who can be heard during legislative debates is playing out in Montana, where a transgender lawmaker has for days been silenced by Republican leaders, despite efforts to speak on various proposals. Leaders in the Montana GOP-controlled legislature have thus far continued denying Representative Zoe Zephyr the chance to speak during proceedings on, on Monday. They demand she apologize for telling lawmakers they would have, quote, blood on their hands if they voted for a bill banning gender-affirming care. We've proven over and over again in the community that the LGBT community, particularly trans kids, are at much greater risk for suicide and suicidal ideation and not having support or access to care is going to exacerbate that. On Monday, Zephyr doubled down on her stand in a speech to supporters gathered on the state house steps and she wouldn't change course. Montana is among a wave of states passing legislation that opponents say could exacerbate the suffering of transgender teens who are dis disproportionately plagued by bullying, depression, and high suicidal rates. The measure has passed and is in the hands of Governor Greg Johnfort, who has indicated he will sign it. In a surprising turn that gives LGBT Ugandans a glimmer of hope, President Yaweri Museveni has refused to sign a bill that would have imposed the death penalty for homosexuality. It's only a temporary stay as the bill has gone back to Parliament for reconsideration. Museveni had previously praised the Parliament for the strong stand it took against the LGBT plus community in passing the legislation. It is suspected that he is likely to sign the bill if provisions are added for the option of, quote, rehabilitation, which we all know means torturous conversion therapy. It is already illegal to be gay in Uganda, like in several African countries. In 2014, the nation passed another anti-homosexuality act, which allowed for life imprisonment for private homosexual acts between consenting adults. That law was struck down in the court later that year, but it still doesn't change the fact that being homosexual in Uganda is illegal. In the new bill, LGBTQ advocates could be sentenced with up to 20 years in prison for, quote, recruitment, promotion, and funding of same-sex activities. Courts could impose the death penalty for what it calls aggravated homosexuality, which it defines as homosexual acts involving children or members of other at-risk groups, or involving a person who is HIV positive. Under the bill, people could be jailed for up to 14 years for, quote, attempted homosexuality. It doesn't look good for Ugandans, unfortunately, because the president was quoted as saying, I totally agree with the bill, but my original problem is the psychologically disoriented person. An overwhelming majority, 79% of lesbian young adults say that they've felt ashamed of being LGBTQ+. A study by Young People's Charity, Just Like Us, found that lesbian young adults were the most likely of all LGBTQ plus identities to say that they were ashamed of being part of the community with trans youth at 78% and non-binary youth at 76% following close behind. The survey, which questioned 3,695 young people aged 18 to 25, found that 5% of lesbians always feel ashamed of being LGBTQ plus, 38% sometimes feel ashamed, and 20% report never feeling ashamed of who they are. O overall, over two-thirds, 70% of young adults reported feeling ashamed of being LGBTQ+. It is heartbreaking to see that so many LGBTQ plus young adults feel ashamed of who they are. Amy 
as Shenden, interim CEO of Just Like Us, said in a statement, no young person should be ashamed because they are lesbian, gay, bisexual, or trans. I'm incredibly saddened to see that young lesbians are the most likely in our community to feel ashamed of who they are. I know from working with young lesbians and our previous research that there are serious lesbophobic stereotypes delaying lesbians from coming out, and lesbians still face complex challenges stemming from a double hit of homophobia and misogyny. If you are a teacher, please get in touch with Just Like Us. We have resources and training to help you make sure that the LGBT young people never have to feel ashamed of who they are again. Rashida Williams, star of the documentary Kokomo City, was killed in Atlanta. Rashida Williams, a black trans woman and performing artist better known by her stage name Coco Dadal and Hollywood Coco, was shot and killed in Atlanta, Georgia on Tuesday. She was 35 years old. According to the reporting in Gay Magazine, Atlanta police have confirmed that a person was shot on the corner of Martin Luther King Jr. Drive Southwest and Hamilton E. Holmes Northwest late Tuesday. Police sources did not confirm Williams's identity, but friends and family stated that she was the victim in social media posts obtained by the magazine. No details about the killing have been made public at this time. Few people have done more to expand our understanding of women's sexuality than Mira Bellwether. A writer, sex educator, and passionate community member, Bellwether is best known for creating a, um, a groundbreaking zine titled F***ing Trans Women. Um, I think it's I think it's not f***ing trans women. I think it's f***ing trans women. I, I don't know if you catch the subtlety there, but it's about having sex with trans women, not um, saying, oh, damn those trans women. <laughs> um, <laughs> The groundbreaking zine meditates on trans women's sexual culture through the lens of her personal experiences. Bellwether considered the work, first published in 2010, a how-to manual centered on embodiment, creativity, and collaboration. The zine is a rallying cry, championing all the incredible possibilities contained within trans women's bodies and their lives. Bellwether passed away December 25th, 2022, following complications related to lung cancer. She was only 40 years old. Raised in Des Moines, Iowa by Tammy, a hospice nurse, and Terry, a respiratory therapist, she left the state as soon as she could. Throughout her 20s and early 30s, she moved frequently, spending time in Chicago, Austin, and San Francisco before eventually settling in New York in 2016, where she lived with her husband, Callan, until her passing. Um, dis despite its slim 80 pages, the scope was vast, ranging from personal stories to diagrams, of sex practices specifically for trans feminine bodies to reflective political essays. The breadth of the material encourages rereading while the precision of Bellwether's narrative often astonishes. After describing the hot contours of a hookup, she pivots giving us the stunning line, all I could do and all I wanted to do was be in myself, in my body and feel what was happening to me. Mira wrote in FTW that she was influenced by old couple, old copies of Drag Magazine. She saw in, in this shared history ways for contemporary trans people to make strategic alliances, write our own stories, make our own media. Paramore's Haley Williams has created a LGBT hair salon in her home state of Tennessee. One glance at Fruits Services list demonstrates the type of space they aim to be. Hair has no gender. The haircut section begins. A quietly radical statement in a state where Republicans are treating 
any threat to gender hegemony as an existential threat. While the national media tends to frame these issues as products of a culture war, the LGBTQ plus people I meet at Fruits are struggling with basic questions of safety and belonging. For them, the salon is a safe haven. On the day of one big concert, Haley Williams posted a very heartfelt handwritten letter on Instagram as a message to the LGBT community and celebrating the evolution of the post-punk and hardcore scene. She wrote, to grow up in this scene was not a simple thing. Nothing about this life for you, me, or anyone is simple. We fell in love with this subset of post-punk and hardcore, likely because nothing else moved us. We didn't fit in other places. Nearly 20 years later, we find ourselves a pillar of the very scene that threatened to reject us and me. She said that uh, she said that night at the concert that they would be celebrating the fact that as a scene, we've come a long way with much further to go. Then she hammered it home. F the, F the ones who doubted, hugs to the ones who watched on and even sort of believed, young girls, queer kids, and anybody of color. We have shifted this scene together messily, angrily, heartbroken, and determined. Tonight, for me at least, is about celebrating all the facets of what punk music actually represents, all the things it wasn't allowed to be when we were young. Sasha Colby's winning drag race lip sync had a powerful message about equality. During season 15's finale, RuPaul officially bequeathed Sasha Colby, aka Mother, to many fans, the title of America's Next Drag Superstar. Sasha took home the top prize after performing her killer lip sync rendition of her original song, Goddess, while dressed as Medusa. Then during the final face-off, lip syncing to Amy Stewart's Knock on Wood against runner-up Anitra, she peeled off her lavish black velvet coat and purple gown until she was performing in barely their lingerie. Moments later, she won the entire competition in her nude look. During a post-finale interview on Entertainment Weekly's Quick Drag podcast, the Hawaii native who is trans opened up about the very intentional message behind her final drag race performance. It was a very specific choice to be naked in these times, Sasha said. I wanted them to see what they are trying to eradicate. Despite the long history of trans women working in the drag industry, drag race has had a turbulent relationship with the trans community over the years. Although Peppermint became the first openly trans queen to compete on the flagship series in 2017, RuPaul faced swift backlash the following year after telling The Guardian that he would probably not allow a trans contestant already receiving gender-affirming care to compete on the show. Trans queens have found success on the series in more recent years. Sasha is the fourth trans contestant to snatch the crown on, the, on a U.S. edition of a drag race show in the last two years alone, following Willow Pill, Kylie Sonique Love and Jinx Monsoon. Lizzo has joined the fight in defying the Tennessee drag ban with help from iconic RuPaul's Drag Race alumni. In an act of defiance against Tennessee's anti-drag law, Lizzo performed in the state with a whole bunch of drag race faves and local queens. And yes, it was iconic, uh, according to this uh, Pink News article. Despite being advised by fans to cancel her Tennessee show due to the state's oppressive anti-drag law, which bans adult cabaret entertainment in public spaces and where it might be seen by minors, Lizzo instead brought drag performers, including Drag Race alumni, on stage. Talking to Instagram on Saturday, the About Damn Time singer 
proudly shared a range of moments from Friday night's colorful performance at her Knoxville show as part of the tour for her fourth solo album special. The star captivated one, captioned one video, thank you to these beautiful drag queens for showing their pride in Tennessee. Iconic drag stars, drag race stars, including season 11's Vanessa Miss Vanjie Mateo, season 10's Asia O'Hara, season 10 winner Aquaria, and season 13 runner-up Candy Muse have joined the cast of upcoming All-Star 8. Um, oh, who's also joined the cast of All-Star 8. Um, they joined Lizzo on stage along with a whole host of local drag queens. And I mean, there's another image here that's probably a better one that there's there's like 20 of them. It's wonderful. Lizzo also shared a clip of her powerful speech on Friday night where the juice hit maker explains to a screaming audience, in light of recent and tragic events and current events, I was told by people on the internet, cancel your shows in Tennessee. Don't go to Tennessee. We don't have to go there. The singer who dazzled in a glittering green sequin jumpsuit that gave major regal vibes continued, their reasons were valid, but why would I not come to the people who need to hear this message the most, the people who need to feel this release the most? Why would I not create a safe space in Tennessee where we can celebrate drag entertainers and celebrate our differences and celebrate fat black women, she says. Minnesota lawmakers have passed a bill to protect its trans community, including rules that prevent them from being forced out of this force out of the state to detransition under anti-trans laws passed elsewhere in the United States. We talked about this. Uh, we talked about this a lot last week, but the difference here is that it's um, it's moved forward and um, it will be signed into law. Tim Waltz, um, the governor, has promised promised in a tweet that he is proud to sign it into law. It will also welcome trans people from other states who need to access trans health care and sees Minnesota banned conversion therapy for LGBTQ plus people, something that we have been proud to see in some other states and need to see across the country. Pro LGBTQ plus lawmakers voted to pass bill HF 146 in a close third reading vote of 34 to 30 on Friday. The bill co-authored by 36 Minnesotan politicians aims to block out-of-state subpoenas that would see families with trans kids forced back to anti-trans states to prevent them accessing gender-affirming care. Moving over to Australia, um, the Victorian branch of Australia's Green Party has strengthened its code of conduct to prevent transphobia by members in a move that could see culprits removed from the party. On Thursday, April 20th, the State Council for the Victorian Greens committed to a clampdown on transphobia by expanding its code of conduct to make it to make clear such discrimination won't be tolerated. The Australian Green Party is made up of green state and territory parties across the country, of which the Victorian Greens is one. A statement from the party on the updated policy reads, this decision was made in recognition of increasing vilification of trans and gender diverse people in society and to ensure that our party remains a safe and welcoming space for all. The new clause makes clear that engaging in transphobia is now considered a breach of the Australian Greens Victoria's behavior standards for its members. The rules also state that advocating for unnecessary restrictions on trans transition care and asking leading questions that cover for doing one of the above can also constitute transphobia. 
Kevin Bacon and his wife, Kira Sedgwick, have reaffirmed their status as fabulous queer allies by dancing to Taylor Swift in opposition of oppressive drag bands, unsurprisingly upsetting bigots in the process. This is an article from Pink News. Following a Footloose-inspired challenge on Drag Race, the omnipresent actor Instagrammed his support of the episode in which the queens of season 15 sang about a town banning drag. Very prescient. Then gave another message of support at the reunion and has now completed his hat trick of allyship. He and Sedgwick danced to Taylor Swift's karma while wearing t-shirts reading drag is an art and drag is a right. It's a fun little video. They're just, you know, just a few seconds. They're just dancing towards the camera, being silly, and it's great. And they, um, when they get up close, you can uh, clearly read their shirts. And of course, the trolls are clapping back and, and being super trolly. Um, they've got a lot of support. You know, you're both awesome. Thank you. One comment read, this is wow. These two have always been there for our LGBTQ community tiers here. Um, I'm not sure if this article is going to show any of the... Um... Oh, yeah, here we go. Um, here's some of the bigot language. Why are you shilling for men in lingerie to read to toddlers? Asked one. As if that was ha what happens at every drag show. Yellow Jacket star and the first ever trans superhero, Nicole Maines, on trans visibility. Existing where people don't want you is radical, she says. She made history as TV's first ever trans superhero uh, in Supergirl. Now she's feeding her fans with a recurring appearance in Showtime's cannibalistic thriller, Yellow Jackets. While viewers of the innately queer drama have only just met Maine's um, in character as Lisa, an established member of Lottie's Camp Green Pine cult, the importance of having a trans actress on screen on one of 2023's most hotly anticipated series, particularly during a time of intense pushback amongst, amongst the trans community isn't lost on mains. My existence, my visibility on screen, the representation will always be advocacy because existing in spaces where people don't want you is radical and rebellious in nature. We will march, we will vote, we will be out there and protest and continue to radically and rebelliously exist. Her family sued the Arono School District in their home state, Maine, and after a legal battle lasted several years, they won. It marked the first time a U.S. court had ruled it unlawful to prevent trans students from using a bathroom matching their gender identity. Her father, Wayne Maines, is now a passionate advocate for trans equality nationally. I grew up in a window of time where I was able to thrive as a person having access to gender-affirming care, having parents who got on board and were supportive and advocated for me and fought for me, Nicole explained. I was very, very lucky. And now it feels like the sand is slipping through our fingers and it's terrifying. While the amount of political hatred aimed at trans people is rising in the US, the UK and across the world, Maine's hopes that her presence on mainstream shows like Yellow Jackets can at least offer hope and respite to trans people who need it. Our final story tonight, uh, the best news of the week, if not maybe the year or decade, I don't know. Tucker Carlson is out at Fox News. And look, I know that celebrating this so strongly is is a bit petty. I get it. I understand. <laughs> I understand that. I know that Tucker is being used as a scapegoat for a systemic problem, um, a policy that puts views, clicks, and money over truth and journalism within Fox News. I've also heard that Carlson is uh, not a totally bad guy at heart. Um, but the fact that Fox has let go of their golden goose amid the pile of lawsuits against them is a major win for media and our country. 
it will take a lot for Fox News to change its ways. Um, unfortunately, uh, it's just so set in and it's so successful with what it has done to media and to the perception of media and people's views on truth. Capitalism rules in this country, and that means that what makes money usually wins. Sensationalist news continues to win over important local stories. Riling up people continues to triumph over even-handed, unbiased reporting. And often the lie will get you more attention than the fact. Fox News dug deep into these as winning strategies. But this move helps to show that there are still consequences and there is hope for accountability. As you'd expect, the story is all but buried on the Fox News website. While the article, article about Carlson's departure is on the homepage, it's the very last story anchored at the bottom right, no matter what other stories pop up and how mundane they are. There was one that was about some UFO and then something about a country concert being canceled. And yet his story always stayed down in the bottom right. So it was there, but they buried it as much as they could, which I thought was very funny. Thank you for listening to this episode of Transverse News. Be sure to check out our other podcast, The Transgender Show, an interview program about self-discovery and acceptance. 